Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and passed over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome to The Afterlight. I'm joined today by Liz Peterson. She's an advanced intuitive energy healer, a Reiki master, a spiritual coach, podcaster, and the author of the best-selling book, My Mom Died Last Night, My Shared Death Experience, a memoir of death, grief, and afterlife communication. Liz uses her personal journey of healing, transformation, and empowerment to serve the highest good of all. She's also a psychic oracle doing readings locally and remotely, and she's the host of the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast, which can be found on all major platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Liz is joining me today to talk about her shared death experience. What is that exactly? We're going to be talking about how to deal with grief and see how Liz has done that in her own life and if she's got some tips and tricks to help you along as well. And we're also going to talk about the journey of healing because it's not always glamorous and yet it's something that we're all doing on a regular basis, I believe. So Liz, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the great intro. So we've got a really fantastic conversation to have today. I'm just absolutely covered in goosebumps. I just, I'm like, okay, I get that. I get it. I get it. It's divinely connected, clearly good timing. Um, we're going to be talking about so many deep subjects here. Um, I feel like it's really important as always to sort of find out a little bit about your story. You know, where did your spiritual journey kick off? Have you always been spiritual? Have you always been open to the idea that there is an afterlife? The answer to that is yes. So I think I always have been spiritual in one way or another. I was born with gifts as a child and was able to see spirit. I did close that down after a pretty scary experience around the age of 10. And that began to, began to open up again in my early 20s where I went to massage school, which led to polarity therapy training, which led to some shamanism training. And then a few years later, I ended up in a four-year program um, where I learned um, my intuitive energy healing work, Reiki master, and a few other things. Um, so yes, I always have been spiritual. I always have been able to know when there's spirit in the room. And as I age and get older, that just blossoms even more. One of the things I do want to talk to you about today, and we'll get to that in just a minute, is whether or not your connection with the other side has sort of given you comfort for your own mortality. But before we sort of go there, I guess I kind of find it super interesting that people who have been on their spiritual journey for most of their life, you know, they continue to dabble in little things along the way to really almost make up their own recipe of the things that they do. So what is an average day look like for you? Are you kind of using all your modalities? Do people come to you for a variety <laughs> of, of things? Do you do a lot of self-healing on your family or like on yourself or even people around you? Good question, Lauren. Um, I do do a lot of self-healing on myself and not always with my family. I definitely have to have permission for that, for sure. Do I work on my four boys? Yes. Are they always aware of it? 
No. Do I um, call on my angels and guides all the time to assist with that? Yes, I do. So probably a day for me is waking up and having a couple of cup of tea, getting in a meditation, maybe going for a walk in nature. Um, surprisingly, I don't have a very regimented practice for myself. I'm always working to implement new things and always following my intuition. So it's really what's up for me for the day. Like, what do I need for the day? Like, do I need to sit down and have a meditation? Do I need to do a yoga practice? Do I need to get out in nature or go swim in the Puget Sounds here in Washington? It really depends on the day. Yeah, I love that a lot because I love that you're talking about the intuition. And I find that, you know, myself as a medium, which I started working as that last year, uh, I realized that your intuition and trusting yourself is pivotal to, you know, your life success here, I really think. And isn't it funny how sometimes we have those embedded programs that tell us we need to do things a certain way or we look at other spiritual people and they have a really regimented time that they're connecting with their teams and you know sometimes I feel that it can be a little bit confusing to know which path to follow what to do and I think that our listener at home sometimes struggles with that as well so how do you learn to trust yourself and trust your intuition is this something that you've had to practice or was that always something you were good at? It's definitely something I've had to practice. Learning how to follow my intuition and actually trust my intuition has been a lifelong journey. I yeah. spent years questioning myself and years kind of kicking myself in the butt, so to speak. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when I got that, you know, feeling or an intuition and not following it. Um, I have uh, one of my favorite talks on YouTube is a talk about when I had a fire in 2011 and I'm sitting out on the deck. It's a beautiful, sunny day. My kids are out playing and um, all of a sudden I get this download, this feeling of doom, you know, and I sit up and I'm like, okay, just not my kids. Right. So the next day I go about my business, get ready for the first day of school the next day. And I start getting all of these intuitions back up the computer, you know, do this, do that, take this stuff out of the closet and put it downstairs. And I didn't listen to most of it. Did I back up the computer? Yes. But when I went to go put the hard drive in the kitchen drawer and my mind said, stop, go put it back in the bedroom. I didn't listen. I go, nah, it's fine here in the kitchen drawer, right? Well, the next day the kitchen ended up being burnt to the oh. ground, right? When I went to my closet, I'm standing there and I'm like, why do I feel like I want to move everything downstairs? This is ridiculous. Why would I move everything in the hallway closet downstairs? And then I closed the doors and the hallway again, lost the entire hallway. Oh, my so I have God. to say like, there's those moments in our life, which he just like, okay, stop, you know, stop and listen to your intuition. There's a reason why you're getting this information, follow it. And that was a really pivotal moment for me to oh where it really, God. you know, kind of kickstarted me into, okay, that's it. I'm going to stop ignoring my intuition and really pay attention. And I really yeah. have from then on out. Oh, that's so, I'm so glad that nobody was, was hurt in that fire, you know, that you didn't have to learn it that in that harsh of a way. But I do believe that, you know, our guides will give us subtle little pointers along the way. And sometimes they'll just go, all right, you need a kick in the butt because you're not listening. And you know, I feel that, you know, thank you for sharing that story, because I think that unfortunately you had to go through that experience, but that you're able to save and educate and support a lot of other people. Um, I do find it interesting for myself as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll proceed with something very often it's in a work environment and I just have anxiety. And then it turns out to be something that's a complete headache or I don't want to do it, or it's deterring me from the things I was meant to do. Right. And it's funny how right. like, okay, I feel that I learned the lesson this time. I swear I got it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And will we stop in the future and listen to our body? Will we know that that's a no for us? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then how do we learn? And actually one of the ways that we learn is through experience, like having these experiences over and over and over again, teaches like, oh, I should have listened to my gut. Oh, I should have listened to that little voice in my head. Yeah. Oh, when I heard turn right, I should have turned right. Like it's those experiences that are really our best teacher, honestly. Yeah. I think too, it's also about being brave. 
you know, and it's about, you know, like, I don't know your family and they probably just go, oh, there's mom again, you know, doing our crazy thing. But, you know, it might've been <laughs> weird for you to like start shifting everything, you know, to the, the basement. And what I find sometimes is that sometimes we look like complete lunatics where we just know, no, I need to just do this thing. And for our listener at home, there's a clear ability called clear cognizance. And I, I personally think a lot of people have it and they don't know. And it's, it's basically when things drop in and we just know the truth. And I'd like to hear your perspective, Liz, because I think that when people just know stuff innately, they have that intuition, they feel the need to justify it. Right. And we go, wait a minute, would, this would be complete crazy behavior for me to start moving everything from the hallway into the basement for no reason other than I just feel like it. Right. Right. And when we moved everything down, if nothing ended up happening, what would we say? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. How long does it stay down there? <laughs> <laughs> I think that there needs to be more conversation around the skill, clear cognizance, right? It's clear knowing it's just yeah. knowing things. you just know. And how often in society are we taught like, oh, don't say I know, right. Yeah. They'd rather society would rather hear. I feel, you know, because I feel is nicer to hear than I think, or I know. So claircognizance was always put on the back burner, but I think it's been something natural for millennia, right? Yeah, and I think yes. it's coming more online now. I think it's being talked about more. It's one of my major clairs is claircognizance, you know, on top of clairvoyance and clairsentience and the other ones are opening up. And mm. I think it's really important, like, and learning how to differentiate between, okay, what is this clear knowing that I'm receiving? And then what's my ego, right? Because that's really the conversation is how do I tell like, what's me and what's guidance, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the easy ways I could tell is like, okay, is it trying to tell me what to do? You know, is this something negative? You know, does it sound like my ego? I think getting inquisitive and curious and really, you know, working with your claircognizance, that clear knowing that you're getting and sort of differentiating between, okay, that really sounded like my ego, you know, the ego's in charge right now, or no, that was guidance because that's coming from a place of purity and doesn't have any agenda behind it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that is your, this is such a major conversation because I think it's actually one of the biggest things that we need to learn in order to have the best life. And so when you're, okay. So for me, I was just thinking about myself. I think sometimes um, I almost get like soft nudges, soft awareness versus negativity and fear. So is that also how you kind of discern for yourself? Yes. Guidance isn't, um, loud. So, well, it can be loud sometimes where you're not listening like, ready <laughs> or a knock on the door or something like that. If you're not listening. Right. But it's always brief and to the point, you know, like, are you ready? Right. It's simple. It's just simple guidance. Um, I like to say, I get a lot of my clear knowing like three seconds before it happens. Like, you're going to drop that. Oh no, I'm not going to drop that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I end up dropping it, right? Just something that simple or gosh, pizza. Huh? I could really go for some pizza right now. And then what I realize is it's really not me that wants the pizza. It's my child that wants the pizza. So uh -huh. I'm picking up on some Claire knowing about what's going on with my kids. So it can be a really fun Claire to play with also. Yeah. So how would you sort of test it? Do you kind of ask your guides to maybe help you with that? I mean, how would you sort of get started? Is it just the, is it self-awareness, which you, you know, need to do through meditation basically and taking time out to go, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling? <laughs> yes. Way to go. When I'm teaching my students and my clients, what I say is have awareness. So how I really learned about my claircognizance was paying attention. You know, what am I thinking? What am I dreaming? What's going on throughout the day? What thoughts am I having? What am I ruminating about? You know, and then differentiating, okay, I was ruminating about this, but it didn't have anything to do with my day. But X, Y, and Z that I wrote down in my journal did end up manifesting. So that way we can also learn. So throughout the day, pay attention to what you're thinking and just notice, you know, kind of have that awareness. Oh, I thought that. And then this happened. Oh, I just 
you know, thought this. And then my friend said this, or two hours ago in the shower, I was thinking about this circumstance that I really thought was about me and my family, but it was exactly what my friend needed to hear in the moment when I hung out with her for tea. So pay attention to those moments where you're having these thoughts and then they're manifesting in your life. And that's a really good way to differentiate between the two. So you'll start to see like, okay, that was mine. You know, I needed to do that chore or that needed to happen for the car or no, this was for my friend or for my client. And it's a great tool to bring into work situations. Mm -hmm. You know, it can help in all aspects of our lives. I think too, as an empath, which I only knew, figured that out a couple of years ago, that that's what I was. I was like, well, this makes so much sense for so much of my life. Um, but I think sometimes too, is that it's, it really feels like it's your stuff. I think that's what can be really tricky, isn't it? Where you go, I really am feeling insecure or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a minute. I just hung out with someone who was feeling insecure or I've just, mm-hmm. you know, about to talk to somebody who's maybe feeling that way. So yeah, it's a really fascinating thing. I guess it's just about being patient and, and jotting those things down. Do you journal every day, Liz? I try to journal every day. No, but when the inspiration hits, I do. Yes. And yeah. I do want to recommend that too. That's actually how yeah. my book came into fruition as I channeled it after my mother passed away. The next day after my mom passed away, I really felt compelled to write. And I've spent a lot of time writing in journals. I have journals from workshops and everything else. And here I am. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write, you know, I tried to ignore it for a couple hours, but then, you know, it kept on hounding me. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to start writing that down. And that's really something that can help, you know, in learning about who am I, how do my Claire's work? What Claire's do I have? You know, how do I show up in the world and how do I receive information? Journaling is a great way to do that. Yes. I love that. Um, you're just reminding me of a dream I had last night about a journal. I've just got to write a quick note while, I, while you're saying that. I'm like, oh, right. I did dream about that. I think it's this untapped thing. Um, when I speak to a lot of people on the show, um, journaling really is a theme that often comes up. And it's funny how I do my gratitude journal, you know, most nights, not all the time. And I do know that there's so much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Catharsism to come out of that where you can really download everything and clear your mind and be free. So it's something that I really want to get into. I just, for some reason, I seem to have a, a block or something, or I think it's too much work. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating. I'm going to go back to the first thing that you said that you were jotting down that in your dream, you dreamt about a journal. I think that's really fascinating and very it's psychic of you for today's interview because my book is my journal. So (laughs) goosebumps again. Oh God. I think that, you know, you were having, you know, some clarity into the work that we were going to be doing together. I think that's fantastic. And dream journaling is also great. I kind of want to throw that in there too. That's the main journal that's next to my bed is my dream journal. And we can see, like you just saw in your dream, you know, we can dream about things that are going to happen in our lives, either that day when we wake up or in the future. Yeah. Well, let's get into the discussion now about um, your shared death experience, about grief, about, um, you know, the loss of of your mother. So how would you Mm -hmm. like to start that conversation? I mean, what would be the best intro to it, do you think? So like I was saying, um, my book is actually channeled journal material from the day after my mother died through the first three months of my grieving process. So I lost my mom rather quickly and unexpectedly, um, February 11th of last year. And my sister calls me and she says, Hey, I need you to pick up mom at the emergency room. She's there, you know, with a bladder infection. She needs a ride home. I say, sure. You know, I go and we're swiftly exited out of the emergency room. And on the way home, I'm noticing that she's not able to complete sentences, garbled language. Um, she's falling asleep a lot, which now I see as, you know, being in the death process now mm-hmm. looking back. Um, We quickly got her back to the emergency room and um, she declined really rapidly. So 
by the middle of the night, um, she had started taking on uh, fluid in her lungs from the IV and they had to intubate her. The next day when I show up, she was hooked up to all the equipment. Um, I went home, got a call from my sister. She had heard from the doctor that mom took a turn for the worse and um, was declining. And they allowed my um, sister and I to go to the hospital and be there. Um, my younger sister made it. I did not. I walked in moments after she took her last breath and was really left in shock. I would say I was in shock. I was just numb. And, you know, sort of going through the process, not really feeling informed, not really feeling equipped to be able to handle the situation, trying to navigate what was going on in the room with my sister and my older sister on the phone and the nurse, you know, coming in and out and asking myself, oh, what do I do in this moment? And remembering something I saw on Facebook where it said, you know, after your loved one passes, just spend time with them, right? So spending time with her and doing what I felt like I needed to do in those last moments with her. Um, the next day I woke up and I was just in a daze and really numb, trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? And even reminding myself like, okay, make that tea that I wanted to make, feed the dog. I need to feed the dog. I need to let the dog out, you know, and going through this process. And in the afternoon, after seeing a hummingbird shadow, you know, go across a light filled, you know, doorway across from me, um, I got the intuition to start writing. Did I pay attention? No, not right away. I waited for a little while and then like heard it again. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this down. And it started, you know, with how hummingbirds were my mom's favorite. And in February, here's the shadow of a hummingbird going across the sundrance door, you know, in front of me and, you know, what that experience was like. And the writing continued from there. I wrote down everything that I was experiencing. Like I was journaling throughout my entire day, every feeling that I had, um, everything that I was experiencing, how I felt like my mother was trying to communicate with me from across the veil, um, all the little juicy tidbits. And, um, and even sometime, like I started to notice things that were set up before my, my mother even passed away were there for me when she passed away. So in hindsight, you know, looking ahead also before she passed, how things were kind of felt like they were instrumental in a way to be able to support me in my grieving process. Can you give an example of that? Yes. Um, I had this little tincture, you know, that was sitting on the counter um, that a friend had given me and it was called heart mender. Um, there were other things like um, food that I had bought the day before um, tinctures that I had um, things that I had gotten from the store, just little things like that. There were also um, signs from the universe, as we say, you know, I saw a red tailed hawk in the sky, you know, circling around right next to an eagle that's circling around in the same vicinity as I'm on my way to the hospital to visit my mom the next day. And then I recall, gosh, I've been seeing eagle a lot the last two weeks. I talk about in my book, there were three occasions where an eagle either was flying me down the road, you know, one direction or another, or going right in front of my windshield before just magical moments like that, where I don't 100% think I can write those off. You know, those were signs And you know, eagle is a sign of strength for me. And I definitely would need to step into my strength after my mother passed away. You know, what I really love about what you're saying is you're talking about how you, you know, subconsciously by the sounds of it, were making all of these plans, setting yourself up for success, listening to your intuition, being guided by source, going with the flow, you know, having the right foods, having the right things around for you, noticing the signs from your team. And, you know, I think that we could always find ways if we wanted to discount our stuff, but why would we want to when we know intuitively, hey, we're spiritual beings, we're having a spiritual experience, our guides connect to us, our Passover loved ones don't die, we just shape, shape shift. 
you know, why wouldn't we want to look at the magic and the wonder and the comfort and live in a life that looks like that? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and the I life love how I you put that, in. you know, living a life in flow. I love that. Yes. And that's the magical life I want to live in. You know, I, that yeah. is the part of life that I love is the magic in life. And why wouldn't I want to live from that part? And yeah. seeing those signs, especially the signs after my mother passed away that she was trying to reach me, they really eased my grief. You know, they were really pivotal in my healing process to know, you know, I know as a medium, right, that life goes on, but to have that validation and from my own experience, from my own mother, that she is trying to, you know, continue to continue this conversation in a new way, not in physical form, but in spirit form. Yeah, it really helped me resolve my grief. It really did. So when you talk about your shared death experience, do you sort of liken that to the fact that you were, um, you know, experiencing your mom's transition at the same time, almost like this parallel parallelism, right? This parallel universe where she's transitioning on this side. And I'm sorry, I have to say to our listener at home, I haven't read the book yet. I know I always try to read the book before. So I'm kicking myself. Anyway, I will, I will have it. I will read it. So are you like talking about the fact that, um, you know, she's going through this transition and then you're channeling that experience and so that's why it's shared it's not that you yourself were dying it was that you were able to bring through that journey I wish that was the case Lauren but that wasn't for me I was actually in denial at that point that my mother was in her death process I was overriding that 100% even when I put my hands on her to run Reiki on her and I could feel that the energy was low in my mind I'm like okay, I don't want to believe this. I don't want to accept that she's in her death process. I want to be her cheerleader and have her come back and stay a couple more years with us, right? And not be in her death process. So for me, that shared death experience, that participation in my mother's dying process was really um, beforehand when we had shared dreams together where we're both dreaming that I'm pregnant with twins There's the moments at the hospital where I'm getting messages from my grandmother and my great grandmother that, quote, we have her, you know, and for me, when I'm hearing we have her, I want to be the cheerleader because, yes, help mom, you know, fight this infection, you know, whatever it is, we still don't know what it was, you know, and come back to us, right? We want, you know, selfishly a cup, you know, more time with mom, you know, then there's the after experience where almost immediately, like I'm driving to the ferry. And I'm seeing my mom younger, like she's in her 40s. She has long, dark hair. She's not presenting herself as 85 years old. It's those um, experiences I that I had after too. That's part of that death, that shared death experience. I remember somebody asked me um, a while ago, they said, you know, you as a medium, do you fear death less? Do you worry about it less? And um, for me, I've been very fortunate. I'm 40 and I haven't had a lot of people around me pass away. So I haven't had to experience, you know, a lot of that yet, you know, fortunately. And then, you know, there's the other part of me that's like, oh shit. Right. Um, and I guess for me, no, it doesn't, it doesn't because it, I, I always know that life goes on. I always know that we trans transition. And I know that the people who aren't here, they're just having a party and they're having the best thing ever. And it's just about us that are like kind of left here, but for me, it, it it's almost, I don't know, it hasn't softened it. Has it softened it for you being a medium and maybe now with your mom going and kind of opening the door for you? I mean, what was the experience like kind of like before and after? Hmm. Before I would say I had more fear around death, even being a medium. I think that yeah. that fear came from, I don't want a short life is where the fear really comes from for me. Yes, me too. Yes, in the beginning of my life, did I feel like I was outside of the box and not fitting in and like, what in the world is going on here, (laughs) right? Like, I really don't feel like I belong here. Like, am I supposed to be here? But, you know, as life has gone on, it's like, oh, life is short. You know, this is a gift. Am I going to be able to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish in this lifetime or see all the places around the world that I want to visit? you know, 
And um, after mom passed away, I think it really shifted that perspective. Like for me, like to what is important to me, right? It was less of fear of dying. Like I know life goes on, but it's like, okay, I'm 53 now, you know, what's important to me. It was really a perspective change in these are the things that are important to me. And this is how I want to live a thriving life in joy till my dying day. Right. So I'm not on my deathbed looking back going, oh, I should have done that. But instead I'm living my life to the fullest, to the fullest extent. So I know on my deathbed, I can go, I lived a life worth living. Right. I'm super happy with the last hundred years I just lived. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, totally. That's totally right. And one thing I do want to say, and I just want to let our listener at home know too, that um, a, a couple months ago, I interviewed a guy named Mark Anthony and he's a theta healer. And um, one of the things we were talking about, Liz, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with theta healing, but the idea is that we have these programs that are embedded. And um, I was sort of talking about uh, some of the fears that I have. And, and one of the programs that a lot of people have is I'm failing God. And a lot of that comes from, I believe, um, our fear of death is because I'm afraid I'm going to leave before I, I do what I came here to do. And therefore I will have failed God. And that's just a really interesting conversation. If anyone at home is thinking about wanting to look into that a little bit deeper, um, any thoughts on that just before we keep going on? One that's powerful. I love Mark Anthony. I have um, interviewed him myself and, think that is fantastic. God, what a belief system, right? I feel like I have failed God. I was thinking yeah. yesterday, I actually posted about it on Instagram. You know, I was laying in bed and I'm thinking about, okay, if we are fractals of source and source is living through us, you know, then if you think of it that way, how could source be disappointed? How could God be disappointed in a life, you know, living if it's you know, living through us, I know. you know, this experience. And the answer is not the no. answer is we are divine perfection. And, you know, like, and I love, I interviewed Julie Ryan a, a little while ago and she was talking about like, everything is perfect. Everything is as it's meant to be, you know, we're always divinely protected. We're always supported. And it's just, it's funny how our ego comes in and creates the problems, creates the stories. And then when we can step back in the last few days, I've been using the term step back into the soul seat. And I know Gary Zukoff has a book seat of the soul, but I've been bringing that up for some reason, the soul seat, when we can sit back in that, we have this knowingness, we have this comfort, we have this connection to all that there is. And we just know that everything is fine. And then the minute we almost like pivot and move forward, into our ego, into our forward facing self, that's when we get confused or lost or disconnected. Oh, well said, Lauren. Oh, and I love that too. Sitting back in your soul seat. The phrasing yeah. that I use is the objective observer. Like me try too, to I've always used that. The objective observer, you know, that yeah. part of you that's looking from here. Yeah. And then being in co-creation, right? Yeah. Knowing that it's not just us. Like if you're fully in touch with your intuition and you're allowing that guidance to come through always, then you know you are in co-creation with the universe. It's not just you that's creating your life. Yeah. It's intuitively guided, divinely guided in your life. So really you can surrender to the process and be in a flow of constant magic, coincidence, and synchronicity because you're aligned with source energy with your soul, source energy yeah. with that energy. Yeah. I do want to share with you um, because I feel like I I've, I've kind of like, well, do I, do I talk about this or what? But I mean, so I'm, I, I followed Eckhart Tolle for many, many years. Eckhart Tolle, I always call him Eckhart Tolle, even though it's not right. And you know, he, he shares in his story, how he was talking about how, um, when he wanted to commit suicide, he was thinking to himself, I cannot live with myself any longer. There must be two of me. Okay. So there's that. And I always knew, and I always remember him and then that was his story. And then I, I was listening to this book called a happy pocket full of money, which is awesome. I highly recommend if you haven't read it. And he starts talking about, and he says in this example, he goes, yes. So people who are like, feeling suicidal or really down, they often will say, 
I cannot live with myself any longer. And then there, there must be two of me. And when I heard that again, I went and I said it in my head. I went, I cannot live with myself any longer. There must be two of me. And I got to tell you, when I said that in my head, I had this kind of feeling where I went, whoa, I'm in this soul seat for a minute where it, it took me out of that ego. It took me out of that forward facing self. And it, it brought me right back in. And I have often used tricks, tricks like five, four, three, two, one. I'm not my mind. I'm not my mind. Come back to the breath, empty the thoughts, feel my inner body. Like I do it all. I know it. I know it all. I do it all. Sometimes it's difficult. I spiral for, it takes me a few hours to remember to get my, pull my shit together here. But when I said yes. that, I, I went, Whoa, there must be two of me. And then when I went, there must be two of me. Then I went, Oh, I'm observing. Anyway, any thoughts on that? For me, that just blew my mind because I, I feel like I've been starting to get into the 5d more in the last few weeks than I ever have in my whole life. And it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not sustaining it all the time, obviously, because you know, can't be that easy. Yes. We're in and out all the time, aren't we? (laughs) And I love that you pointed out your spiral too, and how sometimes it takes a little while to pull in your tools. You know, that's like that. Even for myself, I can spiral out and go, Oh yeah, I have these tools that I can use, you know, Flip the switch is what I call it to turn yeah. off the negative thoughts, you know, turning into something else. Don't forget to breathe. Um, but I love that. That's actually the first time that I have heard that expression. There must be two of me. And as you kept yeah. repeating it over and over again, wow, that that differentiates between the embodied self uh-huh. and that soul self, right? I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And it's funny when I talk about the time that I was contemplating suicide years ago in my twenties, the first thing that I thought was, Oh no, I'm not coming right back into another baby <laughs> again. There's no way that yes. that's going to happen. I know that that is exactly what's going to happen to me. Yeah. That actually should scare <laughs> that people. Was my go-to. <laughs> that's <laughs> really like, good. Oh that's no. Yeah, that's so funny because I, I always talk about this is the last time I'm coming around here. This is the last go. <laughs> Surely Until I've you get out there from. and it's like, oh, the good that we can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Our soul is not thinking the way that our incarnated mind is thinking, that's for sure. No, it's not. And I mean, and it's great because when we have conversations with like-minded people like we are today and our listener at home, you know, hanging out with us for the journey, I mean- it helps us. It supports us. It lets us know that it's okay to feel the things that we're feeling, but we do need to remember that we are co-creating with the universe and we can shift and adjust things, you know, when we choose to do that. And I think it's just the constant gentle reminder that we can put ourselves back into the soul seat and, you know, be peaceful and, and do what we came here to do from a place of joy. Do you believe Liz, that we choose our time of death? Hmm. I believe that when we're sitting down at the big table and we're working it out with all of our friends and the Akashic records and writing down what our life is going to look like, I think we have exit points. I think we have a couple exit points set up and that we can choose one exit point over another. Right. And I know it's just my perspective, but I I do think, you know, that we do have more than one we have choice, right? Just like with soulmates, there's not just one soulmate out there. There are a few soulmates that we can run into depending on our decision-making process, right? It's all a bunch of threads, all a bunch of roads. And it just depends on which road we we take, depending on which decisions we make, because life is, it's like one of those books that you used to read when you were a kid, where you get to a certain part, it's like, okay, do you want to do this or do yeah. that? Chapter Choose your own adventure. Turn to chapter seven, right? Choose your adventure. I think that's our life, right? Because it's yeah. all based on our decisions. There are no wrong decisions. And I think we do have points throughout our Akashic records where things do line up. And I like to call those uh, dream avu points for myself because whenever I have a deja vu, I call them dream of because I feel like I dream a lot of that most of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, right place, right time. I've hit a point in my Akashic records where I'm supposed to be right here, right now. Yeah. You know, this is good. Do you think I had, I don't know if you've interviewed Rob Schwartz. Have you? Oh, I haven't. He's incredible. 
you must put him on your hit list. But he wrote a book called um, Your Soul's Gift and Your Soul's Plan. I think there's another one he's got. And it talks a lot about um, our pre-birth plan. And then he talks a lot about how we actually are tweaking and working the plan all the time. So do you believe that for yourself that you, that we go up and that we're working things out? We're like, okay, we've accomplished A, B, and C. Now we need to chart a course to D, E, and F. Here we go. <laughs> or do you do I love that? that? Yeah. Like what are your thoughts? I actually that? love that because I feel like I'm a participant in my life. I'm a participant in my future. Right. And I yeah. like to empower my clients, you know, and um, people who come and take classes from me with that same empowered way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because doing energy work, doing psychic work, you can go ahead in your timeline and back in your timeline and rework things. I don't think that anything is stuck in stone, right? If you have a contract with somebody and say, you know, they weren't supposed to be an alcoholic, you know, during this lifetime, but they experienced trauma, their coping mechanism has been alcoholism. We don't have to complete that contract with that person if we don't want to. Yeah, I agree. With right? That. We can rewrite those contracts. We can tear up those contracts, null and void, right? And move forward. I think that it's like that through our entire life. You know, we can go forward and rewrite as much as we want. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I um I read, I'm rereading it again. Well, I'm re-listening to it actually. Um, Rise, Sister Rise by Rebecca Campbell. And it's a lot about sisterhood and and it's a lot about, you know, uh, when the witches were burned and things like that, you know, it's bringing that the divine feminine back up and bringing that back in our power. And there's this really powerful invocation in that book. And it's basically, it's doing exactly that. It's saying, you know, hey, I actually am cutting all these contracts that I don't want. I'm not I'm not bringing forth all this stuff that I don't want to work out anymore because I'm ready to step into my power and not have all this other stuff, you know, kind of dragging me down. And what I love about that is, and what I love about what you're saying is that we are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for, you know? Yes. 100%. I was just writing about this yesterday. Like our imagination is the key to our reality, right? Anything that we want to manifest in our life all we need to do is imagine it, yeah. see it, feel it, be it. And we can do that, yes. you know, and you can even bring in a little bit of fake it until you make it if you need to, you know, if you're in your career and you're putting yourself yeah. out there and you're stepping into unknown territory. And let me tell you, a lot of people are stepping into unknown territory right now because we're going from that 3D to 5D. It's not we are creating it as we go along. It's very much that divine feminine energy where we're birthing our lives now at every moment. So good. So I know you have a podcast, which is also about raising the vibration. So how do you, how do you raise your vibration? How do you keep your, your spirits high, especially when, you know, you're dealing with the grief um, when you're dealing with difficult times, we talked about spiraling. Spiraling is something that I, I spend a lot of time alone working in my office. And I think that that's probably sometimes difficult. Um, it really supports spiraling. I think sometimes when you're not like out there distracting yourself, but at the same time, I I'm aware that these are all gifts for me to, to move through. So how do you kind of get yourself out of difficult, you know, situations, fears, things like that? Mm -hmm. Well, when I'm dealing with adversity, some of the things that I do for myself, first, I need to stop and get quiet and press the pause button and really listen to what's going on within my body. That's step number one, always be embodied. A lot of times my energy can be out somewhere in the ethers. I can be in my head. So just bringing my energy back down and becoming embodied. I also love to ground down into the earth. I send a grounding cord in and wrap it around a rock. So I'm firmly grounded. If I need a little extra, I throw um, like two little grounding cords out from my hips or a lasso around my waist and around a tree. Um, then I spin my chakras because I think working with my chakras is very important. I've been doing it since my early twenties. And what it does is it elevates and heightens your frequency and your energy flow to be above 
what is in your field, right? Uh So as you're spinning your chakras, you're increasing your energy, right? And that's raising your vibe, right? If you want to get above like somebody's kind of in a, you know, negative mood and you want to kind of rise above that and not be brought down into that, you can spin your chakras, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, good, just go up in your imagination. And what it does is it increases your level above, like say your client's level or your friend's level or the energy in the room, right? I think a great way to raise our vibe is getting out in nature. Nature is so important. And I know like so many people say it, but it's so true. We need to get out of our houses especially me. I'm an introvert. I'm very much an empath. So quiet time for me is super important. It has been ever since I was a child. I could climb a tree alone, lay in the grass, blowing dandelions all day or riding my bike, just feeling the air just blow out my everything out of my field. Right. Which is also good. If you're, you know, out and about on a windy day, hold your arms out and just let the wind blow everything out of your aura. That's also raising your vibe. And just like, no, release, release, release. Like we're sponges. We're out there absorbing everything. And I'm always telling my clients, you know, do something to cleanse your aura. Imagine, say you work with Archangel Michael, who I love working with, you know, picture him, you know, taking a hula hoop or a net and just like raising it above and just taking everything up into the ethers, right? Releasing everything that does not belong to you take a Epsom salt bath, go jump in the water in the salt water in Puget Sound or where you are in Australia. Um, Nature, nature is perfect. Like sunshine, wind, all of those are good. And drinking nice clean water and eating some healthy food. You know, the older I get, the more intuition I get to like further clean out my diet and be a little bit more healthier as the years go on. Yeah. It's funny because I was looking at, I got my um, grocery delivery yesterday. I get my groceries delivery because it's amazing time saver. It's the best thing ever. But anyway, I noticed all the green stuff and I was like, okay, working on the heart. Here we go. You know, like, I'm so glad I asked that question because you actually talked about a few things that I, I haven't heard of, or like the arms out. That's brilliant. I love that. One thing I wanted to share with you that I learned from Martina Black, um, um, who's been on the show is uh, she, when she's doing her cord into the center of the earth, she hooks a really heavy anchor on there. And I thought, Whoa. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that for the moment. So I hook an anchor on and I go, and I just go zoom, and it's so awesome. But I love the idea of hooking up to a tree behind you as well to really bring you down. I think that's so powerful. I do want to ask you just quickly, if we can, about the spinning of your mm-hmm. chakras. Um, so yeah. it's interesting because when I work with my chakras, it wasn't until the other day that I, <laughs> it sounds so like, I I didn't really see mine spinning before. I always saw mine as just these really strong rays of light. And I would sometimes clean them if I felt that they weren't really at there. But then the other day I went, oh, I'm looking and I'm seeing them spinning. So my question to you is, I think that I've always had a little bit of fear around, well, which way are they supposed to spin? Do they spin counterclockwise or clockwise? Do they alternate as they go up? Is it different for women than men? You know, like, right? Over the <laughs> completely. So when you're spinning mm. your chakras, can you give me a little bit of um, guidance in relation to how to sort of get started with that, because I definitely believe that bringing in that momentum is, is critical. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. Increasing that frequency is really important and it's easy. So it doesn't have to be rocket science. We don't have to stress, oh my gosh, am I doing it right? Even if you're imagining spinning the wrong way, it's not going to be wrong for you because the intention is there for spinning it the right way. Right. Because the action lies in our intention, whatever we intend to happen happens right? So up here in the Northern hemisphere, it's clockwise. So if I'm looking down at the ground and my chakra is pointed down at the ground, it's going to be spinning clockwise, right? And then as I'm going up my body, your chakras meet at your central channel and there are cones, right? So let's see, how do I do this? A mental image. So you have the points of the cones in the center at your heart, your shashumna, and there's a back chakra and a front chakra. 
and you've got forward momentum going in a clockwise position in the front all the way up the body. And then the one, the seventh chakra, which points up to the heavens is um, open to the top. So the energy can stream down into your body, into your shishumna. So if you're in the Southern hemisphere, is it opposite? My assumption would be yes. Wow, interesting. Because, because I'm it, from the Northern Hemisphere. This is very confusing. <laughs> because when you go below the equator, everything spins the opposite direction. So you have to take that into account. Oh, that's that would so be my natural inclination yeah. would be to switch it. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I think I'm going to spend a little bit more time looking at that. But like you said, it really is all about your intentions. So if you're intending to clear and and, you know, tune up, you know, then, then you're going to be doing nice. that. And I think that's the big message, isn't it? It's about knowing that exactly what you're intending to do will, will manifest because you're a co you're, because you're magical and you're a magical being. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're a magical being. <laughs> All right, my sister. Well, we are out of time. I just love talking to you. Thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your journey and, and your mother, you know, being here with us in spirit and sharing her journey with us as well. That was uh, really emotional. Even as I say that I feel really emotional. Um, mm -hmm. I've learned a lot and I've really enjoyed talking to you. So is there anything that I didn't ask you, Liz, that you wanted to share with our listeners at home, anything, um, how can people get the book? Uh, and I will put a link to all your stuff as well in the show notes. Thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate it. This has really been a fun conversation. I cannot believe it's already been almost an hour <laughs> of time has passed already. This has been so fun to talk with you. It's been such a pleasure to be on your show. Um, for your listeners, my book is called Mom Died Last Night, My Shared Death Experience. It's a uh, memoir of death, grief, and afterlife communication. And you can find that on Amazon Books. And I also want to let you know, my website is raisethevibewithliz.com. And you can find everything you need to know about me and my book and the work that I do there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.